Welcome to episode 188 of Friends of Film. We bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Good Boys. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. I've been thinking about the M dash a lot lately, Cooper. I saw that. And I read this beautiful New York Times article about why the M dash is, is what it is and why we use it. And I don't remember any of it other than the M dash is good, other things are bad. And I want to know what your take on the M dash is. I frequently use the M dash. Maybe not frequently, but occasionally. What I like you, it. How? What do you use the M dash for? Um, I've been having this debate in my head for a while. I mean, more or less, it's just to like, you know, if I'm like writing an article or something, and I've already like used parentheses to describe something earlier, mm-hmm. I'll use the M dash to replace the parentheses in that same kind of graph or in a, in a graph nearby, just so it doesn't look all the same. Yes. Or I like to use mine as like an aside where it's like, and this is this and this and this and this and, and then this, <laughs> or it's sort of like back sassing and sort of like, you know, like, and it'll possibly be able to do this. Not that it could though, or it's good enough to be or anything like that. It's just, it's so versatile and it's a marking that we can use. So it like is. if you've already used your sarcastic things, your sarcastic parenthesis quotes, uh-huh. or you've used them for serious things and you don't want people to be confused, it's it's great. I'm a fan. Um, I use it in tweets a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we tweet from our, don't we? Sometimes. Because this is a movie podcast, not a grammar podcast. And if you are looking for tweets from me, from Cooper, and all the latest movie news, if you want to put your finger to the heartbeat of Hollywood, kind of, Oh, not a lot, but like 10 seconds after everybody else tweets it out, you can find it on Friends in Film um, on Twitter. But if you're looking for movie reviews, which we also do, you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. But if you can, jump over to Apple Podcasts and please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. That's right. Now, uh, we are going to be reviewing Good Boys, the new comedy from... uh producer seth rogan this week um but before we get to that josh is there anything else that you watched this week that you know the listeners should maybe know about yeah and i think they already know about this okay. but maybe not i took a look at exodus gods and kings oh ridley scott's biblical epic mm-hmm. um wow it's it's not the the scale is impressive mm-hmm. um in lots of ways uh, Christian Bale is a fine actor that we have, but I did not realize I was stepping into two hours and 30 minutes of just awful. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets to keep making movies. Um, Joel Edgerton and uh, John Turturro mm-hmm. were great little finds. And of course, it's always fun to see Sigourney Weaver pop up. Like it's just, So it's almost like... Who is she in that movie? I guess I don't it doesn't really matter, actually. But she's in the movie. I don't remember. She's remi- in the movie. Oh, I remember. And when she popped up, I'm like, this is an alien prequel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, and it just, it threw me for a loop. I um, remember Aaron Paul being in that movie. He's in. The- I'm pretty sure. I missed him. He's like. But Ben hiding, He's like hiding behind a rock or something, like spying on Christian Bale at one point, I think. It's been. This kinda, is 2014, though. So it's been. That's it's, peak. Been, it's been five years since I've seen that movie. So then 2013. Wow. Whatever. But also, Ben Mendelsohn's in there sweet and uh bumbling he always plays the same guy but he does, he does. it so well um but how about you though i so there's new fincher out this week with mindhunter season two haven't watched that or the first season for that matter but uh i did check out one of his earlier works which is also streaming on netflix panic room uh it stars jodie foster and kristen stewart as a mother daughter uh who just moved into this new apartment and then it has this high-tech security, uh, you know, video cameras, and also a safe room um, from the previous owner who was like this really old millionaire. Hmm. Turns out, first night there, staying there, of course, as it would be, the son of the now deceased rich person, played by Jared Leto, the, the son is, uh, him and Force Whitaker come to the house to steal um, a, a lot of money, which is hidden in that panic room. And, you know, they've... They're not the best at their jobs, I would say. Um, and so as a result, um, Jodie Foster hears them, figures out that they're there, and uh, they lock her and Kristen Stewart get locked in the panic room. And so it's like this really claustrophobic uh, movie about them trying to escape, defeat these uh, 
people who broke into their house. Really fascinating, really good uh, Fincher stuff there. Some really nice um, pseudo, like they're obviously not real one takes mm-hmm. because it's just, they're impossible. But like he does a really good job of, you know, moving it through this elaborate three-story uh, New York house to make it look like it's all one take. And uh, I was really impressed by it. Really thrilling. Leto's great. Whitaker's great. Uh, it's interesting. It's like a young Kristen Stewart in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, then Jodie Foster uh, kills it as well. So, uh, yeah, if you are a fan of Fincher and you haven't seen that movie yet, do it. It's on Netflix, so it's easily available. And at an hour and for 52 minutes. Yeah. Oof. That's a pretty lengthy runtime for a small premise, but it it works. There's right. there's, some, there's some nice twists and turns. I think it gets maybe a little too long there with that runtime. There's some questions about characters and how it all resolves that I do have, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's a really good time. Or cool. as, as good of a time as it can be to watch two people trapped, scared for their lives. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Try not to die. Is this before or after seven? Uh, I believe it was 2002. I so I believe it was uh wow, yeah, before he's getting, he's getting experimental no it's actually oh, it's post a, seven. it's after seven wow. I, I know it was, i knew it was after fight club but i couldn't remember if it was bring after it seven on, or not. Bring so, it on. yeah it's it's good stuff um but we're here talking about good boys this week new comedy r-rated about three uh middle school right are they in middle school sixth graders so yeah, yes two, junior high. three sixth graders who uh through no luck of their own, basically get wrapped up in this crazy uh, day of ditching school, mm-hmm. getting drugs and just doing a whole bunch of inappropriate things. Sixth graders should not be doing. Um, it's directed by Gene Staplinski. Uh, and I thought that this was really, really funny. So I was very surprised by that um, because I was like, okay, this is going to be, I think just over the top, gross out, raunchy humor. And there's definitely a lot of that in this movie. Uh, but it all really, really works for that premise. It's really funny to see Jacob Tremblay, who I think stole everybody's hearts um, in 2015 with Room, mm-hmm. to make this turn where his first appearance on screen, you're like, I mean, okay, that's accurate for a sixth, for a sixth grade boy, I guess, yeah. playing video games. Um, and But like, it's just really great to see him in that role. Uh, Keith L. Williams and Brady Noon uh, play his best friends. They're both really funny as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just really great to see those three kids in these ridiculous situations, whether it's running across the highway, breaking into a frat place and trying to get drugs, um, doing all of these ridiculous things, and just like the the hijinks that ensues from that, I think is where the movie's at its best. Is the story and the hearts really all there? I, I, no, not really. Like there, there are some heartwarming moments. Where, like okay, those I believe that those three kids are best friends. Yeah, but there's like personal problems that are going on that are like really underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. There's you know, separations and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm here. I guess I'm following you for this, but it's more just like a montage of sixth grade antics to kind of amplify all what can happen in like a month span. Yeah. And it's funny, but I just wish maybe a little for a little bit more from the story perspective. But if you're going to this movie as I was to just laugh for an hour and a half, you will absolutely be pleased. So I'm going to give this movie four ticket stubs out of five. Josh, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, this, yeah, like Jacob Tremblay is going to be one of those like actors we're going to like watch grow up and just continually crush it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then along with uh, Keith L. Williams and Brandy, Brady Noon, like the, the three together are a, I don't know, like it's getting comedy out of kids. I don't know how you do it because, so, but you know, uh, power to Gene uh, Stubnitsky who has directed uh, a few Office episodes, mm-hmm. one or two, I think. Michael Scott Paper Company being the one that's oh, on his IMDb, which is a great one. And so if you can feel those vibes and those beats because it's really just these loosely tied together bike riding or like ways to get kids into adult situations that they're like way over the, like, way over the top, like you said. Mm-hmm. But it still maintains its like, believability that kids could get up to this kind of stuff and um but then it has like this like a whole like adult mentality approach but like but anyway it's very funny um there's there's a cast of like you know adults in this movie that are always great to watch pop up um, every time like will forte Mm -hmm. being uh jacob tremblay's father will ray howry being another um michaela watkins is a saleswoman in this which is just like a (laughs) A fun, crazy little cameo. Yeah. Sam Richardson, of course. And then um, I can't think of who it played. Uh, Keith Watkins, Keith Williams is... is uh, oh, Retta? Retta, yeah. 
fantastic. Yeah, she was great. And so, like, they're just surrounded by all these great um, character actors. But it's funny as heck. Kids swearing is funny. I still think swearing in any situation is, like, hilarious. So watching them do it and just their attitude towards everything is very funny. It's just, like, a less self-serious version of eighth grade, I guess. Uh yeah, I mean, it's de- there's it definitely not like the, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely not the thematic and like, you know, here's what it was like to be an eighth grader. It's more like, this is what it's kind of like to be a sixth grade boy, mm-hmm. but like scaled up to 10 for the purposes of a movie and just right. like the ridiculousness that you kind of like go through. Yeah, it, it works and it works on every level. Um, the was delighted my entire time in the theater, 90 minutes on the dot. That's the sweet spot. That's money. Um, four and a half out of five ticket stubs. All right. It's, there you go. That's perfect little comedy yeah um i don't really know if there's really a lot to say about this movie in quote-unquote spoiler mm. territory um other than maybe like running through like favorite jokes <laughs> and one-liners which for a lot of that stuff we cannot say on the podcast to keep a non-explicit rating right um there i think my favorite is when they're at their fraternity yes. and they're trying to buy the Molly mm-hmm. um, from the ex-boyfriend of the girl, the girl that they stole it from. Right. And he's basically just like, no. And you can tell this ex-girlfriend that she can suck my something. Yeah. yeah. Suck my <laughs> D, I guess is the cleanest way to say it. Um, and then he's, and you know what? And then he points to Jacob Tremblay. He's like, and you can do it. And then he points to th- the guy who plays Thor, which is, incredible mm-hmm. uh and says and you can do it and then he stops there and then keith williams is like what about me yeah <laughs> and he's just like everybody's kind of movie just pauses and looks at him and he's like right. what he's just like we're the beanbag boys we do everything together <laughs> yes. it's like it's not this you don't have to do this together that's like a step too far um but like even before that they make a joke about him looking like he could be in college plausibly yeah. and then when the, he shows up he's like you're a bunch of sixth graders Oh, but not you, dude. I know you from Econ. And yeah. Like, Bumsky. <laughs> and it was just so funny. <laughs> um, but mine would probably come a little bit before that when they are hiding out, or they're, no, they're taking a rest stop at the gas station, and Sam Richardson, Richardson comes strolling mm-hmm. as, a, as a cop who's been on duty for 18 hours straight, yeah. and he's just like, I am so done with this. And he's just like, all right, kids, I'm going to let you go after Keith, can, or Lucas, can, and the kid Lucas confesses to like all of these, like, crimes that they've done and then finally um they get caught trying to steal a beer and then like the whole thing just like cascades down there and then they trap him into the store with like one of the sex toys well the the array of sex toys that they have in their arsenal throughout the movie the uh (laughs) the necklace that uh jacob tremblay gives the girl that he likes i was like disgusting (laughs) her reaction to it was great Um, everyone's reaction to it is great yeah i i I even just love the whole montage of when they're talking about why he likes that girl uh brixley i believe is her name Mm -hmm. um and it's like showing like you know the typical things you get like a high school like rom-com where it's like oh and here's here's the girl that the guy likes and he's and she's like you know is just chilling and laughing like oh like she looks sweet and nice and that's why i likes her and then like it cuts to like the next day and he's staring at her and then she's like taking out her retainer yeah. or like she's like like she's just doing like these like not like charming things and he's just like like just standing there like sipping on his juice box and just like, oh yeah it just falling in love it captures infatuation for kids for sure well this is the weird thing about this like as i was watching this is like 13 and 14 year old kids are going to love this movie mm-hmm. and it's ostensibly not for them, but it absolutely is for them. Oh, in it, every yeah, way. It definitely is for them. They just cannot see it. So that's like, it's that weird thing where it's they like, can't buy the ticket to it. Yeah. So it's, it's like, maybe this movie is going to be like a cult. Like, cause I guess, I mean, it looks like it's going to do fine at the box office, but it's definitely not going to be, you know, like a super bad or anything, which I don't think was ever even in the cards, but you just look at it. And it's like, well, I think, you know, when this movie, hits you know home theater in you know the end of the year and all mm-hmm. these kids are on christmas break or something it's like hey guys my mom let me rent this from Redbox. right <laughs> it's like oh yes the movie or like pops up on netflix one of the dozens of streaming services we'll have by 2020 mm-hmm. you know it's be like okay let's all like come over to my house we'll all watch it together and you know like wait till like 1 a.m when my parents are all asleep and right. we'll just like have a blast yeah and that's like the thing about the strategy is like once you have I mean, Seth Rogen's behind this mm-hmm. in it somewhere, right? Yeah. Yep. When you have a Seth Rogen-backed, produced comedy in some form or fashion, like, that movie is 
going to be geared towards like adults. Yeah. But like in the same way, video game or not geared towards, but the main consumer of it is going to be like a younger generation, mm-hmm. like the people who can't go see it. And I don't know. I am. It's just that's a weird strategy, but that's exactly how they need to make it work, I guess. And it's just funny to see that play out for like video games. Got to be seventeen to buy this R-rated comedy where sex toys are used <laughs> as nunchucks. You know. Yes. <laughs> There's all of that. And so I just find that like objectively hilarious. Yeah. Um, written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene uh, Stubnitsky. So, I mean, props to him, guys. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention uh, Stephen Merchants in this movie. Oh, that's right. He plays, uh, a- <laughs> he plays a guy who comes to, what does he come to buy originally? He comes to buy a card from Ascension for Ascension. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Which Buys is real? His, oh, oh, I don't know. He, tr- he comes to buy a limited card that's worth six hundred dollars in their estimation. Um, they're all worried that you know he's a sex predator, right? Um, and <laughs> he looks like a pedophile. He, he, he definitely does. I'm like, oh, poor Stephen Merchant. He's like he's really leaning into that role. I wish he didn't really he's, have to. He's so game. That man's so game for everything. But he is. He was. He was really, really funny for that. You know minuscule role and then to, you know to have it all come back around when they're crossing the highway mm-hmm. you know uh the one kid drops the beer that he did actually steal after he thought he turned into one and uh stops traffic in the highway and instead of giving him the card originally steve merchant has to buy a sex doll basically right. <laughs> and <laughs> it goes flying out of the car and they think they killed somebody until they realize oh it's just the doll that we sold them right and i even love just like when they do make that deal mm-hmm. and like he's walking away with the doll and i don't remember which kid says he's like do any of you guys have the feeling he's gonna like have ba- yeah. yeah he's gonna like Bang do that. things with that doll <laughs> they're like yup <laughs> oh man because like they call it a cpr doll yeah that's right <laughs> But I mean, yeah, and it's just it's just a slew of moments like that where they're just <clears throat> they're they're slightly naive, mm-hmm. and it makes everything hilarious because they're so close to the mark, and then they totally miss it, and it just blows up in their faces yeah. the entire way through. Yeah, I think the only thing that's kind of lacking for me was the the emotional part of the movie where it's like this is really a movie about friendship not separating, growing up together, mm-hmm. and then it's like oh well once this whole thing happened we you know got the drone the new drone but we destroyed your house (laughs) as a result you're grounded we all kind of split up don't become friends anymore and then like you know tremblay has a girlfriend Mm -hmm. gets broken up with yes the girl (laughs) that he spent the entire movie pining after um breaks up with him like minutes after like the monumental kiss for them and then he has three girlfriends subsequent girlfriends uh he had does he have three oh yeah he does he has yeah he's another one i forgot about the one at the end of the party i just thought it was funny when you know he broke up or he got dumped by the one girl his next girlfriend was her best friend right and then she dumps him to be with the girl yeah so (laughs) then they're best friends again (laughs) yeah it's the cold man or yeah whatever that is um so either or he's just like yeah left crying and like jacob tremblay really really goes for those you know they're, I don't think they're completely real tears because there's just a lot of tears on his face at the mm-hmm. moment, but it's it's really fine. Just Kid to see sells him. it hard. He really does. And then he's, he's doing time in the bedroom when he's yeah. grounded. There's some good filmmaking where the bars from his bedroom, uh, his bed set, or like look like he's actually in prison yeah. early on. And it's 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 all it's all it's all clever. It's the kind of comedy that you know you'd think would be like abounding all in streaming services, but somehow it only ends up. Um, with theaters, yeah, and then doesn't do well, and you're just like, why can't Netflix or Hulu make these? Well, I mean, things? it it looks like it's going to be like one of like the bigger hits, like for a comedy. I think I think I read that it has it's going to have the biggest opening for an R-rated comedy since like 2016 or something. Snap, power which, to them. which is great for Good Boys, but it's also like its opening weekend is 21 million dollars, <laughs> which is more of like a good for them but like that's not a high bar to pass in most instances it's like oh what happened to the comedy genre right my my one my one thirty showing on a sunday afternoon was you know pretty packed so yeah. i was surprised yeah so Props uh, to it i'm glad to see it yeah absolutely i mean i don't think this is going to be like you know maybe it could be a franchise thing where you know good boys too and it's them in seventh grade or eighth grade or whatever freshman in high school if they take them long enough these kids are funny enough why yeah. not make it a series would, this thing or I'd, I'd be totally down for you know more tremblay as a comedian um to see this kind of thing evolve into something i don't know what it could do <clears> but uh i'll definitely watch more i'll watch this movie again at some point not probably in theaters but eventually i'm sure i'll come back around and be like oh yeah that was a good time yeah, i would definitely watch it too 
So rewatch it. Uh, I think that's all we have to say about Good Boys. I get four ticket stubs out of five. Josh gives it four and a half ticket stubs out of five. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. Back with the news. Cooper, and I wanted to say though, I want you to know and everyone else to know that I didn't say four and a half ticket stubs about good boys just to one up you. I just firmly believed I liked it a little bit better. I think that's totally fair. I wasn't taking it as a well, you know, Josh just has to like it more than me. Has to one up me and it's to be different. We but can't agree on everything. I, but I can't be a thousand percent sure I didn't do that though either. <laughs> and I just wanted to clear the air about that. Okay. Um but we have news, right? We do, we do have news as always gonna start with our three main topics. Uh and this week starting off with a bit of Star Wars news because it was going to be a movie, Obi Wan, and now it's not. Because there were uh, multiple reports flying around this week that Ewan McGregor will return to play Obi-Wan Kenobi once again in a Disney Plus original series uh, that will be between six to eight episodes. Um, And we're talking about this even though it is a TV series because at one point, you know, what, a year ago, a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. Stephen Daldry was attached to direct this movie and then uh, Han Solo or Solo A Star Wars Story happened. Disney lost all faith in this anthology idea. And as a result, now it looks like we're getting an Obi-Wan movie or we're getting Obi-Wan TV series on Disney Plus instead of the movie. Josh, what do you make of all of this? Well, I it, it makes a thousand percent sense from every angle. It's a little bit risky to make. Um, the movie or the series? The movie was risky to make, especially in light of Solo. More or less risky than Solo was initially more risky really yeah absolutely because who is the e mcgregor fan base uh they are only this hardcore star wars fan base you're diving into continuity that's been left way behind um in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like solo coming out after hansel had already been dead for an entire movie made people just go what how does this yeah. even make sense in all sorts of different ways rogue one was even one of those movies where you're like it's a star wars movie i need to go see it i'm not sure what's going on here then you're like oh it's a prequel Han Solo was one where like, okay, I don't need to see uh-huh. that. Obi-Wan would have been that same thing. But what if he showed up in nine as a force ghost? It's like, oh yeah, Obi-Wan. Mm. Love that guy. Loved Ewan. Yeah. Oh, he has a movie coming out in a year and a half? Great. See, the thing is though, Ian wouldn't be the one that shows up. Hmm? It would be Alec Guinness. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Ewan and old man makeup. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But I think it would be Alec Guinness. But anyway, like. Or the continuity, his presence would have come back and you would have been like, oh, it'll be one. And then yeah, one movie sure. comes out. So there's some con- sure, there's some synergy there. But still, I don't think it's a driving force. You send it over to Disney+. Plus. Anyone who's a Star Wars fan that loved the prequels, the, the even the, uh, the if they're real, I don't know if they're real or not, the people who, the large quantity of Star Wars fans that are no longer going to see The Rise of Skywalker because of The Last Jedi and... <laughs> Ryan Johnson, um, they'll they'll flock to Disney Plus for this because it's given them what they want or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. You know what I mean? Um, but all of that said, it drives subscribers to Disney Plus and it's less risky because, I mean, the risk reward is just so high here. Right. You'll sign so many people up who are on the fence like, ah, no Mandalorian. That's new stuff. I don't care about it. Cassie Andor didn't like Rogue One. Obi-Wan, a gem from the old era, the Lucas era, of course, everyone's going to flock to that. Who wouldn't flock to that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that makes sense. I, I would still, I think, push back on the idea that Obi-Wan is more risky of a movie than a Han Solo origin film, mainly because I think the big key here is that we're getting you in back. If it was, we're going to make an Obi-Wan movie and we're going to recast Obi-Wan for a, a third time and mm. have somebody else play a middle-aged Obi-Wan to be like, why? There's literally no point to do this unless you're getting you and back. The big thing I think for a lot of people with Solo was, yeah, maybe the story was just filling in the gaps and telling you things and showing you things that you already knew about. But for a lot of people I know, it was also difficult to get past the idea that this isn't Harrison Ford playing Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And as a result, that is different and they can't shake that feeling. That's Whereas true. for a lot of people, 
Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan. It's not Alec Guinness. And they with what because they grew up with the prequels, they, we had three movies with him where we had Alec Guinness for, you know, a full movie in A New Hope, but then only ghost for, or force ghost appearances um, from that point on. And I think I was excited to see, I was interested to see an Obi-Wan movie for that reason, just to get more of Ewan. Um, I am at this point more so curious of what will they do with this? Because whether it's a movie or now that it's a series, what is the story going to be that is that needs to be told? You know, I'm all I'm here for I'm all here for more mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan, but I also want to see like what's the reason behind this besides just well Ewan's a big draw, Obi Wan's a big name. If we make a Kenobi series, people will check that out. We'll get subscribers. Yeah. Is there a story reason? whether it's for Obi-Wan or for the larger Star Wars universe mm. that makes this the third series to come up for Disney Plus and Star Wars. De- my my gut my gut reaction is definitely not, but it's something that everyone in Lucasfilm wants to see. Oh yeah. And everyone's like, what if we brought Obi-Wan back to tell a story or like Ian McGregor back? He's working he's like we he's in hot demand again. Mm-hmm. Big projects coming up this year, next year. And then whenever the series drops, yeah. probably next fall. Um, and so that's the that's the genesis of the idea. And then it just kind of pairs into, okay, it'll be, you know, like what a guy does after everything burns to the ground. Mm-hmm. And so it'll, no, it's like, there's, no, I do not think there will be any way for them to tie this into a story because why would you? then there's consequences for what you do in the movie and all that jazz. I mean, I guess that's true. I would just like to know, like, you know, are we getting Herbert Obi-Wan where he is, uh, you know, I say Herbert. You said Hermit. 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 Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Obi-Wan where he's just, you know, chilling on Tatooine, watching over Luke, or is he actually like going to be doing something? Is there some Tusken Raider thing that he has to go deal with? Is there an off world mission that he's like, Oh, I can leave Luke here with you know owen for mm-hmm. a couple of days and see you later joel edgerton thanks for coming by for two seconds um that's why at this point i'm more curious of what the story is going to be rather than uh what like if i'm interested i'm i am very much interested in seeing more of obi-wan i just want to know what i'm getting myself into with that idea yeah um me too like that's like can we have the synopsis please right <laughs> that, that's really what we're asking well it's just like you know because, like, we, we can't have Darth Maul come here. No. Like, he can't appear. We already saw the their other duels in the Clone Wars TV series, and we saw how it ended in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, Anticlimatically. Know. Right. Very easily for Obi-Wan. <laughs> just whoop, whoop, you're dead. Uh, <laughs> and, you're supposed to have dead when he gets there. It's just... I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know what else you can do. Um, but it's just, like, I, I'm just wondering, you know, like, when, like, do you think this is going to be taking place, you know, close up to a new hope and we're getting you know the white haired obi-wan are we getting like this is like you know five to seven years after uh episode three this is definitely like it'll just think luke skywalker on the um the island uh on um Uh uh-huh on octo octo thank you and that'll basically be it he's ruminating on a failure and or not a failure but he's, he's just ruminating on the past but also, he's got that hope on there, and we'll just get to see what a what a shaken Obi Wan Kenobi looks like. Yeah, we'll get to see Liam Neeson and um, oh, yeah. Force Ghost Farm. Um, I mean, Joel that, 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 that should comes be a back. whole episode. Is just Qui Gon communicate with Obi Wan about learning how to become a Force Ghost? Oh yeah, that'd Can be great. Imagine if Paul- the the in and outs of how that works, what you have to do to master that, uh, you know. Uh, power and then also just to get a whole episode for full of uh, Liam uh, Hemsworth Mm -hmm. Liam Neeson (laughs) like that'd be that'd be great who would write that man who who would you want putting words in Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's mouths I don't know for that I've been trying to I've been trying to think about that the last couple of days of like what kind of a vibe and tone this is going to be because I don't think it's going to be a you know an action pack shoot them up here's a bunch of lightsaber fights Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be very character driven smaller in scale um i mean i know there's people who want like darth vader to appear and have vader and obi-wan have another confrontation between and you know three and a new hope i mean okay if that happens but that's not what i think is going to happen at this point um and i don't know i'm just more 
I feel like they're going to go with like a Western sort of vibe. Oh, yeah. James Mangold definitely getting a producing credit on this thing. I mean, is that like where they should go? Like he was going to do the Boba Fett movie. That got canned in favor of the Mandalorian, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do we like I think that'd be a huge get for them if like after Ford v. Ferrari, hopefully gets a bunch of Oscar nominations, you know, come, the, you know, next February. If they're like, hey, James, you want to do that Western you were going to do? And you can even bring Boba Fett involved. Or, you know, if you want to, doesn't really matter to us. Like, you can do that, bring Jabba into the mix. Like, I think there's a whole bunch of things you can do with that criminal underground thing, but also still have it be about Obi-Wan. And maybe that's, like, the thing is Boba and Jabba are, like, trying to infiltrate, you know, that section. And, like, they're, whatever they're planning on doing would yeah. put Luke in harm's way. So right. Obi-Wan's like, well, I have to intervene because if that happens the last, you know, a new hope is gone. Yeah, we, we, that would be a really crazy story as if like, or it wouldn't be a crazy story. It'd be, it would be interesting if like Obi-Wan is basically shaping um, the entirety of like the social and political aspects right. uh, around Mos Eisley and the surrounding areas, um, all in a manner to keep Luke safe. I mean, there's got to be a reason he knows Mos Eisley. Uh, spaceport is full of, you know, the galaxy's, uh, you know, it's a hive of scum and villainy, uh-huh. you know, and, how does he know that? Yeah. Please tell me, you know, like, but, uh, I would pay, man, I would, I would pay for Disney plus, you know, right now in advance for a year. If I knew that like Fleabag's star Phoebe Waller bridge was coming in to write Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn conversation. Huh. That would, that would actually blow me away. That'd be and so, interesting. But, but that idea is just all right there. Yeah. And so give me that and I'm good to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, Daldry, I think, is definitely not involved in this in the he series. He was the weirdest person to, yeah. you could have possibly it, picked. It for was that. it was the oh okay, this is definitely going to be a character driven piece, but I'm not sure why him. Right. <laughs> There's nothing about his movies to me that screamed he's the right fit for Obi Wan because of this reason. Because there's a hundred directors who can do character driven pieces just as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I want to know more. I think the timing of this news ahead of D23 next weekend probably indicates that, you know, we're going to get an official announcement at some, you know, in the next week. Maybe that will come with a a synopsis or at least a here's when it takes place. And maybe it even includes a, you know, the announcement of who is heading this up, whether it's James Mangold or uh, whoever did some prestigious, you know, Western TV show that everybody adores, you know, something like that. And that that's how it all goes down. But I think we'll get, more news on this soon. That'll probably be the last time we talk about that on the this podcast because this is Friends and Film, and this is officially end. I in my in my mind at least of yes. an Obi Wan movie happening. So we're getting a TV series. Should be great. Fingers crossed. Can't wait to see it. But um, that's all we have for Obi Wan for now and forever. It seems like at least on the movie side. So uh, let's move on to Mortal Kombat uh, because there was a bunch of casting news that dropped this week, starting with Variety revealing that Ludi Lin has joined the cast of Mortal Kombat as Liu Kang. And then later uh, THR revealed that Mikad Brooks will play Jax. CC Stringer will play Melina and uh, Tabanobu Asano will play Raiden. So I think we've talked about Mortal Kombat a couple of times on the podcast in the past. Mm-hmm. Neither of us, I, w- I think it's fair to say, are very entrenched in the lore and the mythology and the characters of Mortal Kombat. But I like how this cast is shaping up so far. I do too. Admittedly, I don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. They've never even played a game featuring I feel like one, I played of like one of their characters. You know, joystick versions I once suppose, or twice. Yeah, I can't rule out having done that. And I have I can't rule out kicking Scorpion's butt in uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate for Nintendo, where he makes an appearance. Maybe one other game where Link was in a was in a brawler too. Either or, uh, this cast is good, and I am a fan of Ludi Lin. And bring it on! I just don't know anything about any of these characters, and I don't know how you turn a, a story around Mortal Kombat other than like it's just like Fight Club, but people's guts get spilled out their intestines <laughs> are used to strangle other people is that about right uh i don't know about the strangling with the intestines part but uh i i, I at least like this cast as i'm kind of in the same boat as you i don't know much about mortal Kombat's lore and story or anything if anything from what i vaguely remember about the first two movies yeah. it, it was like 
warrior kind of where it's like oh they all have to fight to win like this ultimate fighter thing and that's the story at least from what i remember i could be totally wrong about that because i don't really remember a lot about that movie or either of those two movies um but the you know Ludi Lin joining a cast that already included Joe Taslim from the raid and then getting you know um, Asano um, I'm not I'm not familiar with uh, Stringer um, and I've only seen Brooks and Supergirl mm-hmm. but uh, Lin and Taslim is like the one to punch including Asano as Raiden who I know is a big character in the games um, it's telling me at least that this movie is going to actually rely on you know people who can actually do their stunts and these martial arts fights for themselves for the most part. Um, and that I think is the exciting part about this movie for me at this point where it's going to be R rated. It's going to have fatalities. Um, it's produced, produced by James Bond, but not directed by him. But I hope that his involvement means that we're getting a low budget action oriented movie. That's going to rely heavily on these actors doing these actual fights, having awesome intricate fight sequences and then you know you got to do special effects to do fatalities and Mm -hmm. some of these powers that these people have but if we can actually get like a mid-budget like super action heavy martial arts film like that sounds great and like the people involved so far the ones i'm familiar with at least i know that they can do that and pull that off convincingly so if that's what we're getting with mortal Kombat, then i'm excited about it yeah the less special effects and the more um just like like you said, low budget, long, wide, beautiful, uncut things we can have in this movie before the fatalities and all, everything just needs to blow up in everybody's faces. Mm-hmm. Like th- that'll make it something worth watching. I mean, go the John Wick route, but just with blood splattering when someone's heart is squeezed in the <laughs> smithereens or whatever right. the case is. Bring it on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this movie is supposed to come out in 2021, I think. So uh, it should not be too long before uh, this movie starts filming. We maybe get some first looks at these this new batch of cast members in their actual roles. And, uh, you know, eventually we get a trailer and such. So uh, let's move on to G.I. Joe admittedly another property i'm not all that familiar with outside of the movies um but thr reported last week that a new spinoff movie is in the works from writers josh applebaum and andre nemec the writers behind teenage mutant ninja turtles and mission impossible ghost protocol um they that report detailed that this is going to be an ensemble movie basically um with a character named chuckles one of the people potentially involved in this group um so it looks like that's going to be kind of the new like if it, uh, did you see any of the previous two GI Joe movies? No, all I can remember from one is that The Rock was in it, and the other one Correct. that Dennis Quaid was like, "Did, you, did what's the name of your unit? Did you say it?" And Dennis Quaid's like, "I didn't." <laughs> GI Joe logo across right. the top, but they're basically Power Rangers in that movie. Uh, yeah, more or less, I guess that's that's pretty fitting. They have like yeah, they get those mech suits. Um, that allow Channing Tatum and Marlon Wayans to just like run through a city, jump over or through trains or something. And mm-hmm. it's, it's ridiculous. But I think that movie is, uh, you know, fun, you know, B level action. Um, the same could be said about the second one, I think. Um, but another ensemble flick with this, with this franchise, that premise. Okay. I'm not super th- excited about that because we don't know anything about it. And these two writers, do fine work but they're not super like oh that makes me really excited about this right so if anything i'm more excited about the other news we got this week uh from thr again that henry golding is in talks to star as snake eyes in a different spinoff movie that will be a snake eyes solo origin film um henry golding was great in crazy rotations great again in a simple favor Mm -hmm. and now it looks like he's going to be playing snake eyes so Josh, what do you think of that casting? Do you think that's a right the the next best career move for Golding? Oh yeah, I mean he needs to star in something now or be the be the lead, the sole lead of a movie um because it's the natural progression, which mm-hmm. is ramping up insanely fast for the dude after getting into acting and like how long I mean like I think Chris Station was like one of his first roles. I believe it was his first yeah. like actual role, yeah. Jumped out of the news into the movies and now he's gonna be Snake Eyes, man. I don't know anything about Snake Eyes other than he's got a sweet outfit. Correct. And Ray Park does some sweet moves as him in those other two G.I. Uh-huh. Joe movies. And we thought he was gonna just star in the whole thing. This is a better move. 
because I'm actually interested in Henry Golding's <laughs> acting and his career and throw him into an action movie, bring it on. Yeah. No, I'd I, love to see him do it all, though. Hmm, I, don't know, I, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he has or if he is capable of doing the action. I'm sure he can train to at least do some of it. Yes. Um, I am more interested in, about this um, because I, I do like think Henry Golding's really talented. And I'm glad to see him get that leading role. I'm now more interested in this, though, because Snake Eyes, traditionally, you don't see his face and he doesn't talk. I don't know why you do that to Henry Golding. <laughs> right. So that's the worth of the money. <laughs> this is this is an origin story. So I am I think this more points to the fact that like this is like a legit origin story where it's like he's not Snake Eyes yet, and this is like, you know, he the first ninety percent of this movie is gonna be him training, you know, hunting down. I think this movie's about like him hunting down like the you know, group that killed his father or something. Mm. And I think I think it's that, and it's like a spy movie more so. And then, you know, he has his kung fu abilities and mm-hmm. with the swords and all of his weapons and whatever. And then by the end of it, it's like, oh, I have to go into this super secret place, tons of security. I can't let anybody see my face or anything, or they they know who I am. And if I'm there, they'll know it's me. So I'm gonna have to cover my face. I'm not gonna talk. And from that point on, the snake guy's identity is born. Yeah, but then he has to break bad though too, right? Because Snake Eyes is evil? No, Snake Eyes is a good guy. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, bring it on, I suppose. Because it's like, I'm I like, mean, I think so, if this is just a revenge thriller, then, like, <laughs> you know, make just give Henry Golding, like, a, a movie in the John Wick universe or something like that, where it just, like, it's a, a free from um, the G.I. Joe Hasbro kid friendly branding. That's the only thing that's going to make this movie intriguing, I guess, though, for me. It was like. Henry Golding is like a bona fide star, mm-hmm. but when you tamp it down and like you know market it to a PG thirteen audience, what are you really gonna get? I mean, I think I think that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't see any of those movies not PG thirteen. Like, I think that's definitely what's going to be. Um, but I think you can still probably get away with some good action, some um, decent amount of violence, and I mean, this, I mean, this is going to be more I think, kung fu based than anything so um yeah the the, the synopsis slash story details that thr revealed was that the story is set to center around uh snake eyes seeking revenge for his father's death by joining a ninja clan and in the process finding acceptance so interesting that is like you know it's kind of revenge it's kind of about finding your place after you know a massive loss like that um I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what this becomes. I'm not, I don't have a, a lot of confidence in, uh, you know, director Robert Schwenke, who directed the past, the first two uh, Divergent uh, franchise, uh, Divergent films. Hmm. He's fine, but I think this whole movie is more like, okay, I'm really interested about in Henry Golding. Hopefully he does a good job, and hopefully, you know, there's good action from Snake Eyes. But other than that, you know, I, it's not like I have super high expectations for a Snake Eyes solo film. Oh, yeah, he is a good guy. Wow. Were you thinking of... He just looks like Cobra. Were you thinking of, like, his brother? He has an evil brother who Storm works Storm Shadow? Ooh. Who's, like, has all, like, dressed in all white? And that guy's evil. Yes. Wow. Did not see that coming. <laughs> Major twist for a character who's been around for, I don't you know, know that's long. positive. That's positive and progressive. I dig it. <laughs> Way to go, G.I. Joe. So, uh, let's move on to Tick or Skip It, which has a trailer... From Henry Golding that he will star in, where he has the first trailer for Last Christmas, we have the first trailer for Little Women, and the first trailer for Parasite, the new movie from director Bong Joon-ho. Josh, which one of these movies, which I will say, all three, really impressive, really great, makes it difficult, which one gets your ticket this week? Oh, it's so hard. Everyone's talking about Parasite. And, Are you, you know, gonna join the bong hive? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take a hit of the bong. I'm already <laughs> there. Um, it happened before I came, and no, I'm kidding. Anyway, last Christmas, last Christmas swept me off my feet. Um, Henry Golding doing some weird jig in the middle of the street, walking down the sidewalk with Amelia Clark, who's thank goodness finally using her British accent yeah. in a movie. No one told her to lose it. Thank you, Paul Feig, for that. <laughs> thank you for like liking our tweets on like yeah, Paul a, Feig on best. a consistent basis seems like whenever i tag him 
he he he's, likes it. Maybe that's there. just a consistent thing with Paul Feig, and he likes it. He likes every tweet that he's mentioning. And if that's the case, hats off to you, Paul, because yeah. I'm I'm assuming you get tagged in a lot of tweets more than so than just from us. I mean, I like every tweet I'm mentioning. <laughs> so. I guess that's true. <laughs> All publicity, my friend. But anyway, like this movie is sweet. Like I love movies based off of songs because that someone dreamed up this movie with that song title mm-hmm. or with that song in their head, and so. I'm interested. Like, show me, take me away. I don't know where this movie's going. Um, because it seems like there's like Henry Golding's gonna be an angel or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, rightfully so. Um, but it was so sweet. I loved it. Um, and I can't wait till Christmas or November. Yeah. Bring it on. I, I, I love it. Well, I was I thought we would be split on ticket or skip it here because I'm also gonna give my ticket to last Christmas because yeah, it's just super charming and it's paul feig doing a christmas rom-com um i'm here for it i think uh amelia clark looks great she has great vocals did not know that uh and but then henry golding steps in super charming uh we have emma thompson who who wrote the movie with paul feig Mm -hmm. um playing what looks to be amelia clark's mother or at least a mother-like figure and then michelle yo is amelia clark's boss um at the christmas store and it this whole thing just kind of reminded me a lot of elf because I was like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. Amelia Clark's very much like <laughs> Zoe Deschanel. Like that, that's just what I got reminded of. Like this person who works as an elf, doesn't really want to be there, doesn't really like Christmas or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that now it's just like, okay, and here we go. It's a sweet adventure. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be some twist to the movie at some point. I don't know if it's, you know, Henry Golding is Santa Claus or whatever it is. <laughs> and he's trying to teach her the true meaning of Christmas. Um, I mean, I've seen there's theories out there that it's, he is the one who actually gave her his heart and uh, because oh. she had, you know, heart surgery or something. She mentioned that she oh. had medical complications. And so she, he is a figment of her imagination basically, or she can only see him and he's a spirit or something like that. Um, that seems to be on the money Last with the song. Christmas, I gave you my heart. Right. It, it's, oh. it, it's 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 kind of oh. right there, um, and it's 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 pretty campy, but it's also just like you know, I, that makes a lot of sense. I love it already, and, and I hope that's what it is. Um, yeah, she's no, she, she's gonna go into that shelter and she's gonna see him who he he worked on there, and he's gonna she's gonna find out that he passed away like saving a hobo from a car tr- from a car accident or something like that or pushing an old lady out of the way. <laughs> and then that's going to be what saved her life. Yeah, and then he was a donor and oh, she was saved because oh, of him. Emma Thompson. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering like writer. Oh my god. I'm just wondering what like the connection is. Like is it something where like that's it well i mean yes we, I, we solved it oh I, yeah I, I cannot take credit for that that was something on twitter i don't remember who okay. said it we'll but, credit them next week um i but like what are the rules behind this is it just he appears whenever she needs him to like is this something that only happens at christmas what makes this happen in the first place that's just like i'm just interested now if that's the case what the movie's going to do to show like why this is now happening i am i cannot wait now oh this most, is gonna, this, most anticipated movie of the fall <laughs> this is gonna break my heart i love it yeah i mean i think it's gonna be super sweet and uh yeah new new original music i believe from michael bolton so uh should be a good time can't wait to see last christmas wait, as you said how November. are they how, unreleased or i don't know if it's brand new or if it's unreleased or whatever but there's well bolton is did he pass away yeah when Dude, where have you been? I don't know. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a hoax. Okay, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wow, been been living with that lie since March. False alarm, everybody. Michael Bolin is still alive, if you believe that, just like Josh did, I guess. Um, yeah, no harm, no foul, I guess. You know, Michael Bolton still around, still making music, and he's going to do so for last Christmas. All right. So wow. not only does Last Christmas look like a great movie, but it also just allowed Josh to know that Michael Bolton's still alive and well. Wow. So this is a great day. This is a great day. Bring it on. Let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode on a high note with some, I think, somewhat sad news, but also good news, um, because Deadline revealed this week that Brian Tyree Henry had to leave A Quiet Place due due to scheduling conflicts, but as sad as that is, he was replaced by Jimal Hansu, who is great. So 
I wish that Brian Tierhanner was going to be in A Quiet Place 2, but I'll gladly take Jimon Hatsu instead. My only thing is now, from this point on, Hollywoods, please stop calling Hansu at the last second. Maybe offer him roles ahead of time. Instead of be like, oh, we need somebody to fill this role in Aquaman. Here, here's Jimon Hatsu. We need somebody to fill this role in Shazam. Here's Jimon Hatsu. We need somebody to fill a role in A Quiet Place 2. And here's Jimon Hatsu. Just give him his own role. Stop <laughs> making an afterthought. Otherwise, this is good news. Yeah, he's. Fa- I mean, yeah, it's 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 like good and bad. Humansu's great. Byron Tyree Henry is amazing, and like they're both terrific. But like you know, um, Tyree's my guy. So well, right. But he's Krasinski's my guy. Blunt's my woman. <laughs> Killian Murphy just happens to always be in those movies. So you know, bring it on. Yeah. On on the you know on the good side, I guess. I mean, he probably had to leave this because he's doing Eternals. So. He had to ditch a quiet place too to go mm-hmm. be in a big Marvel franchise, hopefully yep. with a big role. So right. uh, move on to another report from the Hollywood Reporter where they revealed that Chad Stahelski, the director of the John Wick trilogy, is going to oversee new action sequences of additional photography for Birds of Prey. This has caused a lot of people to sound the alarms. Birds of Prey reshoots. What's happening? This is all par for the course with any movie. Um, but, you know, I think this is cool because Chad Stahelski is great at action. Mm-hmm. And if he is adding more action to Birds of Prey, that means Birds of Prey is going to have great action. Yeah. And in, in addition to hopefully a great story from Kathy Yan. So this is good news to me. I just hope that this means we hopefully get to see something from the movie mm-hmm. very soon. Yeah, absolutely. And like the, and the, this is, this is my favorite part of this too, is that they're thinking about the action in second, you know, in post, not in right. post, but like, you know, in um, pickup shots and everything mm-hmm. like that. That's what I dig. Because then they're like, okay, well, the story is great, but what if we just make the action better? Yeah. And Chad still has, he's like, well, I am not doing John Wick 4 yet. <laughs> and so they're like, Boop. and now he's there. And hopefully, if all, if all things go well, then this means that Chad Stahelski Chad is going to direct a DC movie mm-hmm. at some point in the future. I don't know what it would be, but... I mean, I would go see any movie Chaz Stahelski does. So yes, same here. Absolutely. Um, next up, we got another sequel appears to be in the works uh, a surprise one as Deadline revealed that a sequel to last year's surprise hit Searching is in the works but this is going to be a weird sequel where it's not going to bring back you know John Cho or any of the people involved with the first movie it's not going to involve the story from the first film it's going to be a new cast new idea new story just kind of based on the same Searching premise Mm -hmm. so if that's the case this is going to be a Searching anthology series that sounds cool. And yep. if Anishiganti is still involved, then sign me up. Yeah. Uh, there's so much room to do something like with paranoia mm-hmm. and like, you know, play off of like play off of the hope that John Cho put in that first movie, but then spin it around to be like, start seeing things that aren't actually there. And that'll be terrific. Yeah. And I, I know in the first one, if you like pause it at the right moment or something, you can like see blurbs of like an alien invasion <laughs> or right. hear something about that. So <laughs> maybe, cover-ups. right. So maybe that's part of the sequels. So pseudo sequels, like, you know, it's a Cloverfield sort of, that would be fun uh, of, a, of a new franchise. So I'm on it. I'd be all here for that. Um, Netflix also revealed this week that to all the boys too. PS, I still love you, uh, will be released on February 12th, 2020. And that a third film titled to all the boys always and forever. Laura Jean is now filming. This is, Really good news, I think, for Netflix, for people who loved uh, To All the Boys Love Before, which I actually quite enjoyed it myself, um, because we'll get a new movie next year, and we probably won't have to wait that long for a third film, and I think that's just really smart business for Netflix to capitalize on the momentum that this franchise has, on the star power of Lana Condor and Noah Centennial, so... I'll probably be watching both of these unless, you know, number two just stinks really bad. And I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't need to watch the third one, I guess. I think that'll be really hard with them just returning so, everybody. Yeah. And so at that point you're just like, all right, bring it on. Um, yeah, good move, good, good move by Netflix on all counts. Yeah. Um, and now we also have reports that Disney um, may be working on a sequel to Aladdin as producer Dan Lin told Sci-Fi that one is in, quote, the early stages um, after the first film made over $1 billion worldwide. So Aladdin, huge hit. This isn't a surprise because you don't not try to make a sequel to a billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's more just like, you know, what state does this movie, does a sequel happen in? Is Guy Ritchie back? Probably not. I think based on reviews, they'll probably look to switch it up, get somebody else. But if this means we're getting more of Naomi Scott and Mina Masood as Jazz and Aladdin respectively, then uh, yes, please. Yeah, we'll get Genie back. We'll get Will Smith. Sure. And, you know, all sorts of things. So um, 
all right. We asked we we asked for this with our wallets, I suppose. So we, we, we very much did. I mean, we both liked the movie, right? I I did. I mean, you don't you don't need a sequel. I mean, I was po- you as positive as like a movie you can be about a movie that's fine. Of course, I don't remember what my ticket sub rating was. I think it was like a three or something like that. I feel like it was a three and a half, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but on another Disney live action remake front, the rap revealed that Harry Styles will not play Prince Eric in the live-action Little Mermaid movie, as previously was reported to be in consideration for him. So all those people, you yourself, Josh, were a lot of people were on this train for Harry Styles to play Prince Eric, but it's not happening. I, I, I would say I'm sad about it, but I'm not. It's more just like, ah, he could have been a good fit for that role. Yeah. And now I'm just waiting to see who else gets that part instead. Listen, I would like to engage in some revisionist history, though, real okay. quick. Sure. I wouldn't say I was on the Styles train. You were predicting it. I was like, it'll be Harry Styles. It looks like Eric. He sings. <laughs> it'll work. I was on the Lil Nas X train. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? I don't want to. Things would blow <laughs> up, my man. He's got the number one single for the last... Is it still number one? I think it's I, I still think number so. one. And, you know... Just, just go with the Zeit guys. No, go with it. No. Go with it. Go with it. Please, go with it. please, Disney, if you're out there, <laughs> do not hire Lil Nas. I don't need, you know, some movie about a seahorse or like the the remix <laughs> version of it. Ima- it oh. would so happen, it would and I would so lose happen. my mind out of just insanity that that's the world we live in. <sighs> I don't, I don't need that in my life. Instead, it looks like we also will not be getting Indio Blomkamp RoboCop movie as he revealed on Twitter that he had to leave the project because MGM wants it to go now, but he is going to shoot a new horror thriller uh, film first. So I was excited to see a new Blomkamp's RoboCop movie because I like Neil Blomkamp as a director, but if he's doing a new original movie instead, I would have to say I'm probably more excited for that than I am his, you know, 40-year-later RoboCop sequel. Yeah, I... Blomkamp is still a really interesting filmmaker. You know, he's always making something that's mm-hmm. unique in a way, um, different, whether that's Chappie or uh, District 9 or, or... Elysium. Elysium. Or you know, any of his short films or whatever. There's, there's, there's just all those really deeply... Um, well, they all, I guess, have the themes of social injustice and equality and all that right. jazz. But anyway, except Chappie. That's about racism. But anyway, Blomkamp should be doing things that aren't just like what he's already done before. Yeah. RoboCop's that. Let's see him step on that horror thriller. Bring it on. Absolutely. And lastly, uh, a piece of news, which isn't even really news, I guess. No, we it's just more need of to just talk like about it. <laughs> this is something that happened and now people have lost their minds. Yes. This is, w- w- welcome to the Friends and Film Gossip Corner. <laughs> Ooh, a new Gossip Corner to end the show. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, because Just Jared snapped some photos this past weekend of Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, soon to be Thor Love and Thunder, uh, having lunch or exiting lunch with Ryan Gosling, who is, as many of you know, an incredible actor. Most recently, starred in First Man. Didn't perform that well, but he was great in it. Probably should have been nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of that meeting between Taika and Ryan... Everybody is trying to figure out what this means. Are they just friends? Are they just <laughs> sending out feelers to see if they want to work together? Or is this a sign that Ryan Gosling is going to start in Taika TD's one of his new movies, whether that's Next Goal Wins or Thor Love and Thunder and join the MCU? Josh, mm-hmm. which one do you think is more likely? And even though I think I already know the answer to this, do you want to see this pairing happen? Oh, yeah, I do, 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 I do. I think what's more likely to happen is that Gosling jumps on board Love and Thunder. And I would love for him to be like Thor's bro throughout <laughs> the movie, or even better, I would love for him to do Next Goal Wins. Because I want, I want my weird, random Ryan Gosling back. Uh-huh. Like, listen... He, he, he did these moments of fame, Blade Runner 2049. It's a movie I'm going to love forever. Same thing with First Man. Same thing with La La Land. He, he got on the Oscar. Same thing with Nice Guys. Same, same thing, thing with, with Nice Guys. Every movie he's done, really. And now he's ready to dive back into the, what? He was in this movie? What? When? And with Taika Waititi doing this movie at Fox Searchlight, which is always on the Oscar train, maybe there could be a flip for that, where this is his spirited dramedy and then oscar ascendance <laughs> but love and thunder would be great too because ryan gosling could get paid yeah i mean i'm sure 
he hasn't really had his franchise. I think that's what Blade Runner 2049 wanted to be and mm-hmm. then did not become. Well, I mean, he dies, so. But does he? he definitely. I'm pretty sure the script does he? Says, Yeah, the script, the script's pretty clear he dies. Well, script and the movie are two different things. You, I think if they really wanted to and Blade Runner 2049 was a hit, they want to make have, a twenty twenty a, right in front a of me, Blade yeah. Runner twenty fifty. I feel like you know Denny could you know rework it and be like ah he shut down momentarily now he was revived. Either or, um, I think that my initial instinct to this was okay. People are losing their minds about nothing. It's not because all of my th- everything that I saw was he's going to be in Thor four. This is going to be the best day ever. And I'm just like you know what? Let's take a chill pill. That's not Taika's <laughs> next movie. This next goal wins. It stars a Dutch coach. Mm-hmm. Gossin could pull off a Dutch accent. He could do that and have a really fun time with that. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> Don't know why that's relevant, but... Swedish people, <laughs> bone structure. Uh, either way, I thought that was the case. And then I started looking into the next goal win story a little bit more. And like the coach in like the timing of that documentary and when like the events are taking place of the doc um, is in his... Like, mid 50s and gosling he's not a he's he's no you know 20 year old but he's also not 50 he's like 38 i think um and i actually i I know that for a fact because i looked it up last night um (laughs) but uh so i think he's a little too young to play the coach which limits his roles of playing you know anybody on an american samoan soccer team Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless he's like a rival coach or something else i don't know where gosling would fit into next go wins and that Again, brings us back around to Thor Love and Thunder, which Taika does have a completed script for. It's going to start filming sometime in early 2020. So, like, it's not going to be that long before cameras are rolling on that movie. That's nuts that Taika is that far. He's already got a script for that done. Yeah. That, that, you know, that means that he was already working on it by the time 20, midway through 2018. Oh, by yeah. I mean, of... he apparently had the idea for you know, lady for mighty Thor, Jane Foster, Thor back during the filming of Ragnarok when he was reading Jason Aaron's comics. And then they signed a deal with Portman to bring her back in early 2019. So that thing's been locked down. I don't know if Taika's deal has been locked down that long. I'm assuming it was because Taika was the one who convinced Portman to come back. So I think he's always had a rough script done completed and now I was more like, okay, this is going to be your next project. Here, finish it up for three weeks, and then be like, oh, by the way, I'm going to go do Next Goal Wins instead, real quick, because we're not filming mm-hmm. for the next seven months. He's and I've got up time. His cast. Right. He, oh, Gosling could play a perfect like. And so it's just I'm uh, bumbling like, oh, mighty, mighty Thor, please <laughs> let me hang out with you. Like, I'm just, yeah, could you imagine him being infatuated by Jane? Like, oh, I, mean, I can totally see that. I'm just more, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what he would play because. I've, there's two si- There's there's basically two roles you can take with the MCU, mm-hmm. especially for somebody of Gosling stature. You either take a new franchise leading role, yes. or you take somebody. You take the villain. Or this is where the subversion to the genre comes in: is you take someone who's very popular, Ryan Gosling, and make him play the side chick or like the side dude in this movie to Jane uh, Foster's Mighty mm-hmm. Thor. And then, and then you just have him sort of being like, okay, let's do this. I mean, I could and he's I, just chuck it around. I could see the subversion angle of that. I just don't see Marvel being like Gosling. Here it is. It's all money. <laughs> sure. But he's not he, like, th- that's not the same payday as, you know, here co-star in the movie. And by the way, you're going to star in three movies after that in a f- solo franchise. Oh, by the way, there's also options for Avengers, mm-hmm. you know, spin-off team-up movies like that those are two completely different things and from just for what i envision and think of with ryan gosling i don't think of him in that regard where he's going to sign up an eight picture deal with the mcu right i feel like he's a one and done type of guy where it's like oh i'll do the i'll do your one movie you can leave my ending ambiguous and maybe if i have a good time i'll consider like coming back again we'll have an option for a second one that's contingent on several things and he'll play like the villain. I, I just don't know what villain he would play in Thor love and thunder that like is good for Gosling. So I don't know if Ryan Gosling does join the MCU. 
like that'll be great. That'll be a great day for the pod. That'll be a great day for you, Josh. It'll be a great day for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that day comes sooner than later. Because if they're meeting and now that they've been photographed meeting, if those talks are actually like substantial and like here that like, you can play this role or you can be in this movie, the trades are going to be all over that oh, by yeah. like Tuesday. They're have the, the TMZ's got the bloodhounds out. Oh the yeah, reporter. they're like, okay, can anybody calls. make out? Was there a script involved? Was there anything? Did anybody ever hear him? Mm-hmm. Well, the the waitress's uncle's brother heard that he that somebody said owns the restaurant. Jumped <laughs> right. on the security foot camera footage. He, he learned to read. He, he learned to read lips, and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he thinks he said Thor, but he, he's not sure. So I, I don't Thor know. or more. Yeah, I, we're, we can't be sure. more bread. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure out hopefully sooner than later whether or not this means anything. The the big takeaway here is we all just need Taika and Gosling to work together to bring yeah. s- the the nice guy version of Gosling back to screen. Yeah, he's he's funny, and it's not even just the nice uh, the Steve Carell movie that he's in with. Um, oh, uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, hilarious in that movie. Let's get the comedy back. That's right. Let's get let's, it going. Let's do it. So uh, that's all we have for this episode. I think we talked about that way longer wait, than wait, we needed wait, to. Wait, wait, okay. and that's all for this week's episode of the gossip corner that's right and as the gossip corner comes to close as does this episode next week we'll be back with not a review but we're going to be talking about our best movies of the year so far joined once again as we have always done for the last what three four years um, by colton leakty he'll be here to give his input his insight and his opinions as he is not shy to do uh we'll also be back this week with a big question tackling this idea of interactive movies in the theater, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? We don't know. We'll talk about it. Find out on Wednesday. Um, but in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts on things covered by Trace After the Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Julie Cooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes to give us a five-star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoy listening to the show. Thanks again for tuning to the Defense Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episode.